All right, we'll, we'll get started. Let's open up in prayer together um, before we begin. God, we love you. We come before you this morning and just thank you for God, opening our eyes to the greatest news in the world and for saving us, um, coming to make a way for us to be in a right relationship with you. God, thank you for giving us the faith and the eyes to see that. Um, and God, as we gather together um, and we learn together on how to more clearly make you known to the world around us, God, pray that you would just give, them, give us wisdom that only comes from you. Um, God, we pray that your face will shine upon us so that your saving power be made known to all nations uh, in this city and to the ends of the earth. Um, God, we love you and just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> okay. Well, we had a little break. Um, it kind of threw off our schedule a little bit. So we're going to be combining two weeks into one this week. So I hope you've been following along in your workbook. I would say every week's very important, but I would say week three and week four can be some of the most challenging. I would say probably one of the most important like weeks that we're going to have together. Uh, just when it comes to practically engaging people with the good news. And so I hope you've been following along. Has everyone been able to do that? Following in your workbooks? Yeah? No? Okay. Who still needs a workbook? Does anyone still need a workbook? Okay. Great. Um, so yeah, so week one, if you remember, we looked at why, why do we share the great news? Who remembers kind of the main bullet points of why? The first one was, does anyone know? Why do we share the great news? Recommended. Yeah. So the first kind of main bullet point was God's love for us. And then it was our love for God. And then our love for others. Right. And then we also looked at reasons why we don't share the great news. Some challenges or reasons you know, why we oftentimes shy away from that. Um, Second week channel led us in what, what is even the gospel that we're looking at. So what are kind of the main four components of the gospel that we looked at? Great. Channel, you did a great job. They remembered. Um, so we looked at that, and then we had a week off. And so we're combining week three and four. So we're looking at sharing the great news part one and part two. So we're looking at two examples one in John chapter 4, and then an example of Paul in Acts, sharing with Athenians. And so we, we're considering simplifying our language, um, and then we're working from getting connected with people, then to getting transitioning that to spiritual conversations. So that's where um, we're going today. So we're going to have a few uh, a good opportunity to practice with one another as well. Um, and connect in our gospel friend groups today, too. Um, so, before we start, let's do a check-in time. But the way we're going to do it, we're going to divide into four groups, again, since we are larger. So, in your, lar in your smaller group, um, tell people how you're doing. Kind of that scale of 1 to 10. And maybe share a really short story. So, we'll take about 5 to 10 minutes to do that share with one another, and then I'm going to have each group share maybe a highlight of um, what was talked about with the whole group, okay? 
Okay, let's let's come back together. You can say it in your groups right now. Um, so let's just hear kind of like one person share summary real quick of what you guys talked about. Was overall, was there progress, like increase in confidence level or not? And maybe share like a quick story that you guys heard in your group. So we'll start, we'll start with this group here. You got one person that wants to. Yeah, um, I was just um, and shared with them. Um, I barely um, shared the gospel to my eldest nephew, and um, and then I'm seeing the news. I've always watch. I'm always watching the news in the Philippines. That recently they're like um, killing because of fraternity hazing and drugs and all of that. So I, I just told him like, oh, how are you doing? I hope you're not involved in this kind of things. Uh, make sure you're not getting involved in that because, and then I started um, uh, transferring that conversation into gospel, like, um, because these things are not pleasing to God, and I hope instead you focus your eyes on Christ, and then, yeah, bit and pieces of uh, entering the gospel on that. So I hope you'll be responsive. Yeah, great. So overall, on your scale, do you feel like everyone's in your group? Yeah, More confidence? Yeah. yeah, improving? Good. You guys. Um, we didn't get all the waves. Yeah, but, I know, sorry. Um, but so far, it was super encouraging. I think I said everyone's confidence is going up. Okay. Um, and a lot of, uh, a lot of like, connections have been made um, at work and also at the Adam Metro. Um, and it was so cool to hear it for, um, for like, Vicky when she was sharing with her um, niece also. Uh, Rachel in the back was like helping her out and saying like, oh, maybe like going down here, like, like you're going too much. And so just that teamwork. Um, and yeah. then also with like um, Lydia also helping out. <laughs> so like lots of teamwork seems to be happening yeah. um, already, which is encouraging. Um, yeah. yeah, that's so great. Like having, we'll talk about that later on, but by having someone even to go out with you is just so encouraging and you guys can help one another out in that, so. That's great. Overall, confidence is going up, getting more comfortable, con getting connected with people. Okay, cool. You guys, Lydia? Uh, yeah, I think overall, we've, we've, um, we've increased in our confidence level to just start a conversation or like make connections with people. Um, yeah, everyone's been like, we have, she's been trying to talk to neighbors, we've, uh, she has been trying to talk to a few students, um, who's been with a friend, yeah, uh, and Julia's been talking to a few people as well, so uh, everybody's made connections, mm -hmm. um, and like, yeah, definitely growing in that way, yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. You have a story, real quick, that you uh, want to share? Yeah, sure. Um, there was this. There was a lady that I met in the metro station. Um, she's Egyptian, and um, I was able to give her a book. And um, later on, Jesse and I were able to meet with her on Friday, and yeah, we were able to have a good conversation. Jesse was able to share the gospel with her in Arabic, which was good. Um, and she did have a lot of questions. She, she had a few questions. Um, and she was open to listening to more and having these conversations more mm -hmm. later on as well. So that's, that's one of the highlights for me. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Back table. 
I would say 60% of us are growing and 40% of us are just decreasing. But okay. that's because, <laughs> but that's because some of us are realizing that we lack in social skills. Um, and some of us uh, might think like, oh, um, they're having more intentional conversations and they feel like, um, yeah, they just need to work on them more. Um, I think I would share about my story where with I realized that just because I don't have that much confidence having conversation with my family doesn't mean that I cannot share it with them indirectly. So I had, a, I had an opportunity to babysit my cousin who is seven years old and I was babysitting him at one time and I wanted to share bedtime stories with him. Um, and so he was asking questions about why is there a snake in the pharmacy logo? Um, and then my aunt was like saying, well, it says in the Bible about Moses, and that's sort of like an opportunity for me to talk about uh, the gospel. And so I also realized how hard it is to simplify the, the gospel uh, to a seven-year-old kid, but I think it was a great opportunity for my aunt to listen to it as well while I was sharing it with him. Okay. Yeah, that's great. There's a lot, of, a lot of great resources, and even, even as we've gone through like week three, there's a few kind of simple gospel stories there. Um, I think one for kids, which is a fun one, uh, Julie and I have done this. Um, it's a song. You came from heaven to earth. To Real easy way. Yeah. I'm not going to sing for you guys. Carson, you're going to cut that out of the recording. Um, <laughs> um, okay, cool. So super encouraging to hear. Some of you guys posted stories in the WhatsApp group. That was really encouraging to hear hear many of those and what some of the stories that I heard it seemed like hey we're getting out we're getting connected and we're realizing that hey it's it's really not so scary like people want to have conversations people are friendly and they they want to be asked these things I think we live in a culture in a day and age where everyone's just glued to their phone right but the way we're designed we're designed to be in a relationship with people and so sometimes that can be awkward now because we are so glued to our phones but deep down inside the way we're wired is to be in a relationship and to be in to in communication um, with others and so in a personal level so i think as we seek to connect with people and really care about them it's going to be completely counterculture cultural to what they currently are experiencing and so it could open up many many ways to share threads of the gospel or even the full gospel story with them um, okay, so getting into week three, um, so if you've been following along, there's a lot of content that we've been over the last two weeks, a lot of t topics that we've touched on, but in summary, um, to share the good news, the first thing we have to do is get connected with people. We have to get over our social awkwardness and just get, put ourselves out there to get connected with people. We have to start conversations. So we also read in John chapter 4 how Jesus connected with the woman at the well. I think it's one of my, one of my favorite stories. Um, I think the way Jesus approaches this is a very just great example for us to follow as well as we're thinking of engaging people. So they connected from the very beginning from a physical need of water. Um, and so there's many ways we can connect with people as we're out and about living our lives here in Dubai. Um, a very easy question that we can ask people is, why do you work in Dubai? Or, where are you from? People are from all over the world. Where are you from? 
or what's your mother tongue? Like, what's your first language? Um, there, there's so many just different things that we can do and that we can ask to be able to get connected with people. Um, then we also took time to look into how do we simplify our language and the importance of that. Um, so as followers of Christ, especially those who've grown up in the church, we're used to these big words like propitiation, right, or righteous, or repentance. But to a non-Christian or someone that does not grow up in the church, what does that even mean? Or I attend this church service when you guys are talking about breaking the bread as like body and drinking blood. Like that's And some of the songs that we sing are, what are we even singing about? So we, it's important for us to have the awareness to think about what language are we using and does it make sense to, to people. Just out of curiosity, how many people who, raise your hand if you did not grow up in the church. If you did not grow up in the church. Okay. So your first time interacting or attending a church, did you feel some of that? Did you feel like some of the words that were being used just didn't make sense? Yeah. Okay. That's good. I was curious of how many how many of us did. So for those of us who did grow up in the church, it's good for us to have that have that awareness. Um, and I think by using more common phrases, we can be better understood when we're talking about Jesus and the gospel. First um, Corinthians fifteen. 1 through 11 says this, he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Though some have fallen asleep, then, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am of the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. So just a good reminder of like the gospel that we are preaching and that God can save the most wretched person, the one that's persecuting the church, and he can use any of us. So as, as we're thinking about getting connected with people or getting connected with, um, Vicki, you mentioned just someone who is kind of rejecting you or not, not interested at all. You know, as people do that, and that will happen, we, all we can do is continue to pray for them, continue to find ways to point them to Christ, continue to find ways to love them well. Um, and so... Okay, so that's kind of summary of week three that we went through in our workbook. So if you haven't gone through that, I would still encourage you to do that. There's some good questions there for you to consider, especially looking at the way Jesus interacted with a woman um, in John chapter four. Um, 
So question one, so large group discussion. What stands out to you about how Jesus connected with that woman at the well? For those of you that did go through the material and read, what were some things that, that stood out to you um, in the way Jesus interacted in that whole encounter? He found, a, he found an opportunity to look there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he connected to something we have in common, like um, from the. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Even though they were both very different, mm-hmm. completely different, their paths should not have been crossing, but yet there was still a commonality that that he found. Yeah. And um, how he transitioned the conversation into spiritual conversation. Yeah. Because I think that's one thing that um, I'm struggling with as well. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about that in a minute. Anything else? Any other things that stood out? About that encounter. I'm wondering if he broke social and cultural conventions of the time, mm-hmm. which would have taken the person aback. Yeah. And why is he breaking it for me? Like, like maybe if we talk to somebody uh, who we would not normally talk to, yeah. or they don't expect us to talk to them, that could, like, you know, break yeah. the ice and make the person curious and wonder why is this person happy? Yeah. Yeah, he, he went out of his way even to connect with this with this woman that culturally was not appropriate, but he did he did it anyway. He was willing to cross cultural barriers and divides that existed. Um, yeah, so we see so Jesus got connected with her, so he immediately got connected with her. He was intentional about the the reason they went there. Um, then he he got to a spiritual conversation, so he quickly transitioned the conversation to spiritual matters by just asking her questions, even. Even questions that he knew the answer to, right? So I think that's a good reminder for us is we're, we're going to talk about, in a minute, transitioning from getting connected to getting to spiritual. Sometimes that means us asking questions that we already know the answer to, but it's still okay for us to ask those questions, um, and so that's what Jesus did. He got to spiritual conversation. And then he got to lostness. So then he started talking to her, letting her even see through his questions her own lostness. Um, then he got to the great news. He proclaimed himself as the Messiah to her. And then he got to a response. So Jesus led the woman and many of her whole town to believe in him. Um, and so I, I love that example and just kind of the simple example that Jesus provides us there um, in engaging her. Great. Question two, what do you think about the simplified thesaurus and great news stories that you saw in the workbook? Did you find that helpful at all? Um, yeah, any, any thoughts on that? So thinking simplifying the language. Um, kind of that thesaurus, that list, and it's not exhaustive, it was just a short little list, but did you find that helpful? Um, And then what about the two examples of the great news stories? Are they helpful and how? 
or was there anything strange about them? You're like, hmm, it's interesting. I don't know if I would say it that way. And typically, so personally, I, I would not often do that. But there could be times where someone else is referring it to like God's word, the holy book, and saying, calling it a Bible automatically like throws up that wall and they're not even willing to converse. But oftentimes I don't. I, sometimes I would use, instead of holy book, I would say like the word of God. And this is God's, God's word. So there are other words there, but... Taylor, I don't know if it's helpful, but like, I think because um, Muslims are often encouraged to read the Gospels, and the Arabic word is Injil, mm-hmm. so I often say things like, in the Injil, it says this about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Would you like to, wouldn't you like to read more from the Injil about Jesus' life? Yeah. Um. <coughs> yeah. So that would be more appropriate than saying, oh, the New Testament. Yeah, because that's, a, that's harder. It's one extra step mm-hmm. to try to explain that, I found. Yeah. Because oftentimes the thought is, oh, it's this, the New Testament's replacing the, mm-hmm. the old because there was something wrong with mm-hmm. it. And then you get on that, that path. But yeah, using the word Torah and Jill are words that are going to be more familiar um, to Muslims. Yeah. Cool. Any other any other thoughts on that? In the two example stories that you saw, um, one was kind of a little more tailored for Muslims. The other one was a little more tailored for non-Muslims. What was the biggest difference in the two? Because they were kind of the same story, but what what was the biggest difference that you saw? Between the two. I think the sacrifice. Yeah. The yeah. Sacrifice was focused on. Um, also creation. So many Muslims would identify and they, they believe that there is one God who created the world and everything in it. Like we agree on that. And so what, whereas and we're going to talk about it later when you're sharing with a Hindu or someone from another religious background who may not have that concept or idea. So you, then you need to go back and explain, well, there is one God who created the world and everything in it. But with most of the time with Muslims, like they already have that foundational understanding. Um, I still think it's helpful to go back and reiterate too, but so that was another difference in, in the stories there. Great. So I would encourage you just to keep, keep that list to think through it as you're, as you're even crafting your own like testimonies or gospel conversations or you're explaining who God is, think about the words you're using. Think about ways that you can simply communicate these, these same truths to them without using these big words, these Christianese words that people might not really understand or connect with. Um, okay, question three. What hinders you from starting conversations? So... Week three was all about getting connected. 
So I wanted you to go out and try to get connected with five people um, this week. If you did not do that, I want you to do that this week. Just go up, try to get connected. I, don't even worry about sharing the great news with them. Just get connected. Get yourself out there and getting comfortable with getting connected. So what hinders us, for those of us that didn't, or maybe you guys mentioned some of you struggled in that, what are things that hinder us from starting conversations with people? Social implications. Okay, can you explain that a little bit more? Okay, um, let me just take the example of work. Suppose you try at work and you're in a closed space and then, you know, they, the person is not receptive. Mm-hmm. If that person is just that kind of person who would just like talk around and, you know, he's this and that and also probably take fact the advantage of the fact that you're in a Muslim country to make things harder for you, you may have that fear mm-hmm. of sharing or going mm-hmm. out and trusting in God and still sharing the goodness with that person. Yeah, so fear. Yeah. 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 But what about just in getting connected? In getting connected. Great, great news aside, we're not thinking about it, but just getting connected with people. And when you mean connected, you mean like just befriending someone that's new to us. Yeah. Right. The security guard. Man, where, where are you from? What's your name? What's the meaning of your name? Like just basic conversations that you're having with people every day. But doing it intentionally too. Um, I think there's, there's people, and we're, the statistic's gonna come up um, ne- this coming week, but in Dubai itself, I mean, we're blessed to have a really healthy church that we're a part of, right? But still, if you look around us, less than 1% of the city would be evangelical. So it's every time I step out of my door, I have a 99% chance of the person that I'm going to interact with or pass by on the street, they don't know Jesus. They've never even, maybe they've never even heard the true gospel before. Or maybe they, they have this idea of what Christianity is, right, um, that's completely false. And so we have an opportunity to intentionally engage 99% of the people who have never met a Christian. They don't clearly know who Jesus is. And God's given us that task to help clearly proclaim that to them. Um, But we start to do that, we have to start by getting into conversations with them and getting comfortable in in doing that. Um, Yeah. What other things hinder us from maybe just like initially starting a conversation with someone? I think when I think about intentional conversations, I think of having a one-on-one conversation. So if I think about having some conversation in the metro, it seems like there's so many people around. Mm-hmm. So it's like I can't, I can't really focus on one-on-one yeah. conversation at that time. Yeah. Um, so that really hinders me. I'm trying to think. Okay, who do I start with? Or sometimes, yeah. how do I hold a conversation with just one person? Or mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. that um, I realize is a big hindrance to me is um, just not being mindful, like just thinking of other things or being distracted, like thinking of all the things I have to do. Mm. And so my mind is so like like elsewhere that I'm not seeing that, oh, actually there's like 10 people around me and I could just say hi to one of them. Yeah. Um, so I think that being mindful. Mm. Yeah. 
I would say that's probably one of the biggest things I struggle with. And I'd probably say we all struggle with to an extent that we're very focused on ourselves. And I think that's one of my biggest prayers is God, like help me see the world as you see it. Help me see people in your image the way you see them. Um, yeah. Kinda, I wonder, this is for myself, <clears throat> I wonder how many of us also have gotten so caught up with our lives and the many things that need to get done in our lives that we forget that we even our lives are often crossing in you know crossing paths with other people and their lives which means we can strike up a conversation but it means kind of getting out of the mental space of i've got all these things to get done a life feels so busy right now and thinking of there's a person in front of me mm. yeah, yeah like we're at work if we're taking a lunch break to be like well i know i'm tired but maybe i can just sit with somebody else and have a more relaxed conversation. Yeah. Hmm. What were um, maybe some, some other ways that, so there were some examples in the workbook of ways to get connected, but maybe what are some other ways that you've been able to use to get connected with people recently? So I'll, I'll kind of share a couple examples. When I was with Carson a few, several weeks back now, um, we were in a park in Karama trying to meet people to share the great news with them. And there's these two guys on the bench, and it was just like, how am I going to get into this conversation with them? I want to engage them. I want to talk to them. But how do I do that without being super awkward? And so we kind of sat near them. And then there was like a Dubai police van like removing these big cinder blocks, like they were getting ready to set something up. So I just asked them, hey, do you know what's going on over there? And that, that was what we were able to use to get connected. And then that developed into a full gospel conversation with these two guys. But something as simple as just being aware of what's going on. Or even, even asking questions that you know the answer to. Like, hey, do you know... You're in the metro. Hey, do you know the best way to get to Business Bay? Like, you know the answer to that, probably. I hope you do. But you're putting yourself out there to get connected with that person. And who knows where that conversation could go. Maybe it goes nowhere. But at least you're finding ways to start conversations. Um, I think about all the, I mean, the... Here in Dubai specifically, the security guards and people that maybe work these jobs that oftentimes the greater society just completely overlooks them. The bathroom attendant that's cleaning the bathroom in the mall. Like, these are people that are made in God's image and they're treated probably not as good as the rest of society. But even a simple of, hey, like, how are you doing today? Or like, where are you from? What is your name? Like, Genuinely caring and listening to their answer, I think, goes a long way and easily opens up doors um, there. So what, what are some other ways that you've seen? I know Kate and Matt, Quentin said truck, truck, and that got them into a conversation. So maybe you want to use that. Um, might be a little weird, but if you have kids, you could use it. Um, yeah, what are, what are some other ways that you used? I just asked them, like, what are your plans on Sunday, uh, mm. on the weekends? And yeah. Like, do you go to church on Sunday? And then you can also ask them, um, what are you, uh, what do you believe? Uh, and then suddenly she, she answered, like, I believe in Hinduism and Christianity. Yeah. And we'll find out, like, 
then from there I stopped and then I said like I'll try this week to be able to ask you. Yeah. Great. Maybe two more. And then we'll move on. Um so because it's Ramadan, uh at work I keep getting gifts from Muslims. And so uh I just I happened to ask like why do you give gifts? And that led to a conversation with a Muslim lady. But it didn't lead anywhere, it was just a starting conversation. That's but there was another Muslim um I just I happened to have lunch with him and he like we just started talking about Ramadan and why why celebrate Ramadan. Hmm. So that was you're, Yeah, you're already on spiritual. Mm. <laughs> you jumped ahead a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. It's not interesting though. It's great. Like with Ramadan coming up, we have two things going for us. We have an open door and lots of time because people are finishing yep. the work early. Exactly. And so not only with that, you're not only doing connected, but you're getting to spiritual immediately. And so there are ways, there's good questions, like getting connected with people, you can, you can put those two together. Like, especially in meaning, I, one I love to use is, what's the meaning of your name? Mm. Most of the time it's related to some religious meaning or something related to that, maybe. Um, so, cool, one more. Things that you genuinely feel curious about, and usually they're surprised if you observe something, and then they yeah. love talking about it. I mean, it depends. People, Some people might not respond. People love compliments. Yeah. Hey, where your hair is beautiful? Where do you, like where do you go? Or your nails? Like I wouldn't say that, but you ladies might. Um, yeah. Or your beard lines are sharp, you know, like, where do you go? Um, yeah. No, that's great. People love a good compliment, and that automatically, like, breaks, breaks any barriers, and you're in conversation with them. So, great. Okay, so that's week three. So if you haven't gone through it, I would recommend, highly recommend going through the workbook um, this week. Then we're also supposed to do week four. Um, so step two of sharing the great news is bridging from that social conversation, the getting connected to a spiritual conversation. And I would say for most people, this is one of the most challenging things. Like how do we get from just talking about the weather and talking about sports or whatever it is to spiritual conversation? Because once you get to spiritual, it's a little bit easier to get to gospel because you're already kind of talking about it spiritual matters, but transitioning there can be intimidating or can be challenging. Uh, So we saw Jesus and John 4 bridge to a spiritual conversation quickly within a couple sentences, and Paul did the same thing in Acts chapter 17, in which we read through um, this week. Um, Many people in Dubai, surprisingly, are very comfortable to talk about spiritual things. For many of them, like their identity as a person is wrapped up into their religion for most people. So they are very open to talking about it. Um, so there's, there's no reason to fear that you're going to offend anyone by bringing that up. Using holidays is such an easy, easy end because you're approaching it e- even as a learner. Because like, I genuinely want to know. I want to know like what it is you believe or why do you 
why do you fast or why do you eat three dates before you break fast mm -hmm. or why do you go to the park and have all these colors like thrown all over you for this holiday like what's the meaning um, and so think of questions you can ask people um, to help you easily bridge to a spiritual conversation um, review the questions we kind of listed some in the workbook as well and so as you bridge to a spiritual conversation listen well to the answers that you get um, we should never assume that we know what someone believes or why they believe it. So even though this person is a Muslim, does not mean that they truly know what Islam teaches or what the Quran teaches, right? And I think when, when we first moved to China, that was one of the mistakes that I made because I did a lot of study on Islam. What does the Quran teach? What's the meaning? Because I wanted to know how can I better love my Muslim friends and share the good news with them. But what I quickly learned is I had this box that I thought this is what all Muslims should be. But I quickly found out that as I was asking questions, 95% of the people did not fit in that box. And there were many, many different just crazy ideas and thoughts. And so as I started asking questions more, I started learning more and more about people and different ways I could bring gospel truths into that conversation. So listen well, be good listeners, be learners, um, and truly care about the person. Um, so we need to listen as they share their own story and their beliefs. Um, in a spiritual conversation, the desire is to help a person see they are lost and they need a savior. Uh, sometimes this is possible, it's easy to get to, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes conversation doesn't go there, and that's okay. We don't need to just try to force things all the time. We truly need to care about people. We need to ask people and learn. And as you get more and more comfortable doing that, it's going to become a lot easier to get and transition into those conversations. Um, and so if they see a need for a savior, they're much more likely to listen as you transition from spiritual to the great news. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 4 through 6 says, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So, in Acts chapter 17, what stands out, or what stood out to you, of the way Paul connected with the Athenians? What were some things that stood out? This should be fresh. You should have gone over that this week. There's a little more grace for week three. We're on week four now. <clears throat> And your workbook had some of these answers already pre-filled out, too. Mm -hmm. So what, stand, what stood out to you about how Paul connected with the Athenians? That these guys had some idea about God. And that was his initial introduction. Yeah. Whether they believed in the right God or not, that was a different question. But yeah. But Paul knew that. Yes, Paul knew that. Yeah. So he took time to understand who it is I'm engaging with the gospel. What do they believe? So that I can better relate the gospel to them. Yeah. 
It's great. Any other? <clears throat> any other things that stood out? Keyboard relates to something that's common, but doesn't relate as far as to say it's equal. So yep. when he speaks about their God, he's making it relatable in that he says he understands <coughs> what they believe. Yeah. He doesn't say that their God is our God. Yes. Which I think some people are tempted to do. Mm -hmm. And yeah, kind of the, especially with Muslims, I feel like because there's an assumption, oh, they've got, they've got the Torah and the Angel to say, this is how Islam and Christianity are similar, mm. but we can go as far as to almost act like as if Allah and God are the same, mm. they're not. Yeah. yeah. That's good. I think this, this place we're known for philosophies. So even even if you talk to people like, I mean, I don't know about the Muslims, but if you talk to most of the young, the crowd like us, they would, hold on to philosophies a lot. And sometimes the philosophies that they are holding on to maybe from the gospel, sometimes it's not so. Their eagerness was to just have a conversation because they wanted more knowledge. Yeah. They, of, you know, yeah. because they were all idol worshippers too. Yeah. And Paul met them there, yeah. where they were at, yeah. and kind of scratched that itch a little bit for them. Like, they, he knew they had that desire, and he, he, was contextually appropriate in understanding that situation. Yeah, that's great. Good. So how do you transition then? So personally, how do you transition from a social conversation to a spiritual conversation? What could be some examples or ways that you have done that or that you might do that? question like similar to that is like what's the what do you believe the meaning of life is what's the purpose of this life or yeah what brings you happiness or what brings you joy the most joy in this life or ways to get to spiritual matters yeah any other thoughts how do you get from social to spiritual i'll say the bar super low like the, the lowest bar possible I was in charge of, at the ladies' club and I was talking to the receptionist there, just asking me questions about, oh, how much does this cost? And, you know, just like kind of businessy type questions that was her job. But then we started talking about social things and we were having a great social conversation. And we talked for a while and I just could not bridge to social, I mean, to spiritual. Like, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, it was just really difficult. Like, my normal ends just weren't really coming up in conversation. 
And this is a lady who's like full black, hijab, everything. And so we got to a little pause in the conversation and I just said, so are you a Muslim? And like dumbest question ever because <laughs> she's probably thinking like, look at me. And that wasn't her response to me at all. She's like, yeah, I am. And then she just starts telling me about kind of her faith, what she believes a little bit about her family. Like she wasn't offended at all. She yeah. didn't think it was weird. She just had a normal conversation with me. And I said, oh, that's interesting. So I'm a Christian. Can I tell you about what I believe? And then I was able to share with her. And so I felt like in the moment I felt really like dumb and like oh, God, I was just like thinking of an idiot. And she still might, but she didn't come across that way. And so I was just really encouraged to think that like, I mean, someone's religion is a huge part of their identity. And so yeah. like, it's okay like, to ask about that. People don't typically like, get offended. I think similar to that, I like, there's a student named Ashwin who's been coming to our Bible discussion. Mm -hmm. Towards the end of our meeting with him, I invited him to church. And he was like, how can you invite me to church? I'm a Hindu. Mm -hmm. uh, so he offered two options. One, to talk about why he can still come to church. Mm -hmm. But that, that was the other one. I was like, why did you say that you can't come to church because you're Hindu? Tell me about your faith. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, immediately he was like, well, my parents are Hindus, and I'm not sure what to do. So, you know, just, but I kind of agree with Julia. Sometimes, yeah, maybe the, it feels awkward to ask the most obvious, dumb question, but actually it's proven for me like an easy open access mm -hmm. to almost come across as a little dumb, to, but, but with an inquisitiveness. Yeah. And people love talking about themselves. Okay. They love it. <laughs> and so, ask questions to get them talking about themselves. Because after you give them an avenue, a platform to talk about themselves, talk about their religion, talk about their family, the things that matter to them in life, automatically it gives you now a chance to then share with them what you believe. And they will then have a listening ear because you gave them that initially, right? So those are great. Any other transitioning from social to spiritual? when I was working, I intentionally um, got the book uh, What Happens When I Die, and I just left it up mm -hmm. on the desk. And my coworker just walked by and she's like, why are you reading that? Mm -hmm. And it got to like such a good conversation and then went into her office and said, hey, let me tell you what I believe about death and where I'm going to go. And she's like, you're so confident about it, which we got into a spiritual conversation mm -hmm. about it. And then we, we got it to a part, point where she was like, yeah, I, I believe Jesus died on the cross, but I don't think he was elected. And then, you know, that's when jargon started coming in. I was like, I need to be careful with my jargon. Mm. Um, but it got into a good conversation with her. Yeah. yeah. That's great. I was up in Iraq on Friday, and there's a guy whose name was Risky. Um, <laughs> So I was thinking of some creative ways that I could really transition this to like get connected into spiritual. Like, hey, you know what the most risky thing in life is? <laughs> no, but I, but I didn't do that. So my, my lead in with him was he, he where, where are you from? Well, he's from Indonesia. He's from Bandung, which I had a friend that used to work in Bandung. So we've made a lot of connections mm. over that. And I just said, hey, what's... What's the primary religion in Indonesia? Well, I know the answer to that. Most Muslims in the world concentrated are in Indonesia. And he said, yeah, Islam. And I said, so are you, are you Muslim? He said, yeah, I am. And so then that led into 
conversation because his, his response was, yes, I am, but I'm not a very good Muslim. I was like, okay, well, let's, let's expound on that a little bit. And so, so we did, and that led into a full gospel conversation. That was short. Like, I didn't have a ton of time with him, maybe about five minutes. Um, but I was able to share the great news with him and even persuade him and plead with him to really consider who Jesus is and what, what Jesus said about himself. Um, and so, anyway, got his contact information. But, again, that was a lead-in. Like, where are you from? And then what's the primary religion of that country? Not even talking about that person directly, but your country as a whole. And then well, what is it that you believe? And you're already on spiritual matters. Holidays we talked about. Easy in, you're already on spiritual matters there. Cool. Okay, third question. What are some examples for how you try to move someone to admit lostness? Again, this is another transition. So how would you get from getting connected to spiritual matters, but then in the spiritual matters, how do you get someone to consider lostness and how they're lost? Sorry, lost what? There, how, do you get, how do you get someone to realize that they're a sinner? That they need a savior. <clears throat> I think I have situation. Uh, I had situation happen before many months ago. This um, old woman, she, um, she, I helped her. After that, she like seek for me. To go to black box for Muslim. Yeah. Pray. So I told her, why you seek that for me? She said, because, yeah, that's good, that's like great thing. I told her, okay, but why great thing? She mm -hmm. said, because, yeah, um, because I want to go. I asked her, do you want to go to this place? She said, yeah, I want to go to this place to clean myself. Mm. Like, all my sins. I told you, are you sure if you go this place, you will return back clean? She said, eh, I think, and but my problems, I will do another thing. I told her, okay, that's so. I think this doesn't work. But I have, I have something. If you. Um, believe it, you will be um, without sin. Mm -hmm. So I started to share gospel with her, and uh, when she know when I see uh, when I speak about Christ, she said, "Are you Christian?" <laughs> I told her, "Yeah." Why? You mm -hmm. you very kind. <laughs> I told her, "Yeah, Christian." She said, "I wanna you go to uh, heaven." Mm -hmm. Um, with with me, I told her, are you sure you will go to heaven? She said, no, I'm not sure. I told her, but I'm sure I will go to heaven. Mm. So I want you go with me. <laughs> so I think she understands she she's sinner. Mm. Like this is a long uh, conversation, but try to tell you short. But finally, she understands she's sinner, and she needs Jesus. Mm. Yeah. 
Oh, that's great. Great testimony of transition. Um, yeah, any, any other thoughts on how do you get someone to realize that they're a sinner in need of a savior? I think most people don't realize that they're sinners because <clears throat> the definition of sin is competitive. Our morals are competitive. Uh, so often in a conversation what I would do is, uh, I don't know if it's effective, uh, but what I do is I confess how I used to think that I'm a very moral person and I was without sin. And maybe I'd give a few examples and that one day uh, I realized that I'm not a sinless person or a moral person, I'm just very good at justifying my sins. Mm -hmm. And when I do that, I hope that they would introspect mm -hmm. into whether they do that too. And if God works their heart, they would realize that they are a sinner as well. I think for me, like, I use an illustration of a scale of what God's standard of righteousness is and how the rest is just it. So no matter how much good works we do, like, if God's standard is not met, which is, like, ultimate perfect righteousness, then everything else are, like, not good in God's yeah. sight. So yeah. I think that that was helpful I think. Yeah. I think it's very complicated depending on the person you're speaking to. I yeah. think for Abrahamic religions, uh, they have a clear idea of one God with his standard of righteousness. When you come to a society or a religion of Hinduism or other, you have or you're taught stories where God's flex, uh, flexible on morality depending on the situation. Yeah. So that kind of concept may not, it, it depends on who you're talking to a lot. Yeah. So, and I think the concept of sin is not alien to Muslims. Yeah. The concept of assured salvation is alien to them. Yeah. I think another good one is uh, you ask them what their religion says about sin and how their God takes it away from them. Mm. Or if, it, if their God takes it away from them. Yeah. I think kind of what you guys are hitting on, you're right. I think there's a lot of diversity depending on who you're speaking with but I think that's where it's important to ask questions mm -hmm. to try to truly understand from them what what is their worldview what is their belief um, I think just kind of some examples that <clears throat> that I use is um, and I feel like this kind of works across religious divides is I kind of describe it as kind of this mountain analogy and that you know, we're living in Dubai, like there's all of these religious backgrounds, people from all over, and we're working together in unity and harmony. That's, again, touching on a lot of the government push, right? Like, we, we want that. We want peace. And then I would say, you know, but everyone believes that there is something greater or higher than themselves. Like, even asking, like, what, what do you believe that that is, right? But... And I kind of imagine it like, like a mountain. So whether it's, you know, God, Allah, many gods, there's something higher than ourselves. And all of us, human beings, we're kind of at the base of the mountain. And we're living our life trying to make our way up to the top of the mountain to obtain, whether it's paradise, heaven, whether it's good karma, good afterlife. Like we're trying to do 
good things to make it there. But the problem is, because of our sin, and you, you may have to, again, take that word sin and explain what that means, because a lot of people don't have a concept of that word. So sin, may, you know, we try to make it up, but I'm, I mess up all the time. I try to do good things, but I oftentimes fall and mess up. And so I will slip and fall down the mountain because God is perfect. And it's impossible for me to make it up there. But what God has done for us is that he sent Jesus down the mountain, grabbed us by the hand to bring us up to it. And so that, that's one way that I've kind of transitioned and I, I've somewhat find, found helpful across various backgrounds. Um, but yeah, yeah. So getting to losses, even asking, well, I, with Muslims, again, because I've spent most of my time with Muslims, so I find it a little more easy and natural in conversations. But like, well, what do you believe you have to do to get your sins forgiven? Because they have a concept for disobedience to God, right? From the very beginning, the garden, Adam and Hawa, Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve were good people. They're probably way better than any of us in this room. But they committed one sin, one disobedient act against God. And it was a, a fruit of a tree. Not, probably not a big deal. I mean, we've done way worse. But it was that one thing separated and completely broke their relationship from God. And so, like, just using that kind of analogy and that example, they, they understand. So, what do you believe in your religion? What do you believe you have to do to earn salvation or to earn a good afterlife? Or if you're Hindu, like, what, why do you go to the temple? Like, what, what's the point of it all? Um, help me understand. Because, you're, you're, again, you're going to get different answers. But as people start talking, you're going to understand, hey, this is what's important to them. This is their understanding. And now this is a way that I can bring in the truth of the gospel into that conversation. Um, any, any, other, any other thoughts? Maybe one more thought. Um, I also feel like people who um, don't really, are not very religious or do not think um, about like salvation or any of those things, sometimes it's also helpful in conversation to just ask them, what, what they think is wrong, or usually those things will come up in their frustration, I mean, like about what they're actually frustrated about, and you can like genuinely try to ask them more, and if they feel like sharing, or they're comfortable, they'll talk about that, and what that helps is also, we know that through the like gospel lens that we see the world, we know that a lot of the fallenness in the world, so anything that this person actually thinks is the biggest problem in their life, is actually because of the fall, and because of sin, and directly also their sin. So I think with that route, sometimes it's been helpful to get to what the biggest problem actually is by just asking them, what do you think is the problem? And mm-hmm. then telling them, oh, yeah. actually, you know, God talks about how that, how, like, why that even happened. And mm-hmm. this is why. And, and you're also, yeah, like even just like, yeah, engaging with them to see like, the bigger picture of things. So yeah. asking a lot of questions. Yeah, that's great. Like you're getting to know someone, they're telling you, like, hey, I've been struggling like with help. Or someone in my family has cancer. Well, mm. I mean, be sensitive. Listen to them. Care for them. Offer to pray for them in Jesus' name. But like, why do you? Why do you think things like that exist in the world? And it's an easy segue into the gospel. Um, those are great. I think kind of a, 
bringing up sin, helping people see their lostness is really important. So I think it's great to find ways to get to that to, and by asking them questions. Um, and then even asking like, well, do you, believe, do you believe you've done enough to obtain this goal that you're after or to obtain an, a good afterlife or a paradise? Like, do you believe that your bad deeds have been forgiven? Um, and let them talk. And with Muslims, it's oftentimes, inshallah. Like, we don't know for sure, but maybe, right? And so then they will, then the way I would transition then to the gospel is like, we've, we're on lostness. And they say, well, do you believe your sins have been forgiven? Do you believe on judgment day that you will go to paradise? Well, inshallah. Well, what I know to be true what the Bible teaches is that my sins are forgiven, not because of anything that I have done or anything I can do, but it's all because of what God has done for me. And then transition into the greatest news in the world. What has God done? Who is Jesus? Right. Good. Okay. <clears throat> so we're going to take some time to practice. So go ahead if your gospel partner's here, get together. So we're going to get in pairs. Okay. All right. Because of time, just real quick, maybe two people. How was that? Did you feel like it was a little awkward? Did you feel like you were able to get to spiritual pretty easy? I think they used um, sim- to simplify the words because Lydia was using like sin with me. What if like I don't know what is sin about? Yeah. So did you ask her what what is yeah, sin? I, I asked her. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's good. Hopefully that exercise was helpful. I would encourage you with your gospel partner to practice it together to talk about that. Practice sharing the gospel with one another too, and even. Partner together. Go out this week. I, I love seeing Lydia and Jesse this week doing that because Lydia met a lady from Egypt who is an Arabic speaker, and so she brings Jesse along who can communicate with her in her mother tongue. So our church and its diversity, we have those opportunities all the time. I was out with Keshav um, a few weeks ago, and he was able to communicate with these guys that I wouldn't have been able to. Um, and so he was able to share with them because he spoke their language. And so I would love to see more and more of that partnership happen. Um, okay, so next week, looking ahead, um, we'll be sh- in sharing the great news part three. So we'll look how, how to bridge from, how do you take a spiritual conversation now into a gospel conversation? Mm-hmm. So how do you make that transition? And we'll also study Acts chapter 26, how Paul shared the great news with King Agrippa and see his response to Paul's message there. Um, so again, a reminder, each lesson builds upon one another. So if you have not gone through week three and four, please, please, please do that this week. Really important. And I think you would be very much benefited and blessed by that. We'll get you a book, a okay. booklet. Um, so yeah, so that's what we're gonna be doing, looking ahead. Um, at the end of our time, connect with your gospel partner, maybe this week, or maybe you can go to lunch together today. I would encourage you to do that. Um, but get together, pray for one another, continue to think about the people that you wrote down initially that you're praying for intentionally. Like how, how are you making strides this week to connect with that person or to see, to try to reach them with the greatest news of the gospel. So continue to do that, pour into that relationship deeply. Um, so 
I'm just going to do it anyway, because we're already late. So uh, we're going to talk about Hindu. So in the back of the workbook, there's a little short section on Hindus. So how do you share the great news with Hindus? I'm not going to read that. Go, go and read that for yourself this week. But I did want to read um, this short little story. Um, this is from a guy named Sai Anad. Um, he is an Indian neuroscientist. And he was a Hindu background, came to faith. And now he takes his educational background and starts thinking through really creative ways on how to share the great news with Hindus. Um, in India. So this article, it says he, it's titled, I'm a Hindu and this is what I believe. And so hopefully this is helpful for us to understand as we're thinking through and maybe encountering Hindus, what it is they might believe. And again, this is generalizations. Everyone's going to be different, but we'll take a few minutes and I'll read this. He says, my life as a Hindu was torture. I'd get up in the morning. I'd go to the temple, perform rituals I wasn't able to connect with. I'd look at the idol, telling myself that the God it represents is real, but knowing that it isn't. I slowly realized there wasn't concrete evidence for a lot of the stories and beliefs behind Hinduism. Many people continue in the faith because it's what they've been taught to them by their parents, but I had my doubts. By God's grace during college, I heard about true liberation offered from the true God, Jesus Christ. He's changed my life and beliefs about everything. Even with all my doubts, though, this is what I used to believe as a Hindu. Gods. It's difficult to fix, fix a number uh, to how many gods there are in the Hindu faith. The highest estimate is 333 million. The gods have different characteristics, different abilities, so Hindus will pray to different gods for different requests, depending on what that is. Um, the concept, the concepts of omniscience or omnipresence aren't attributed to Hindu gods. So Hindus don't know whether the gods or the particular God they're appealing to recognize or acknowledge their sacrifices. Scriptures. So because Hinduism mixes so many beliefs, Hindus believe there are multiple sacred texts. The Vedas are ancient religious texts believed to have been revealed by gods to scholars, who then passed them down orally. After centuries of oral tradition, the texts were put into writing. There are four of them, each with its own theme. Some have hymns, rituals, prayers that Hindu priests use. Others give meditations, mystical teachings, even theories of creation. They were written in the ancient language of Sanskrit, but most Hindus don't know Sanskrit, so they don't even read these. Um, and I'm going to probably pronounce these words wrong. Um, but the Bhagavad Gita is another sacred scripture. Did I say it right? Nope. How would I say it? Help me out. There you go. Thank you. Um, that has more popularity in Hindu culture because it's been translated into languages people read today. And it's part of the greater book. Um, and it's a 700-verse poem about how completing a life's duty leads to salvation. One of the more famous and liked Hindu gods, Krishna, is, the main, is a main character who counsels the story's hero to fulfill his duty by going to war against his friends and family. Okay? Then he talks about worship. So worship most of the time means sacrifices to appease the anger of gods who are known for lashing out against sin. They will punish you if you do something wrong. 
Um, the, uh, the inevitability that you will do something wrong, the angers of God, is overwhelming. Hindus visit local temples to make sacrifices, give offerings, pray, light incense, and meditate. Worship can also be f- performed at shrines in the home or along the road. Um, salvation. Hindus believe in the unceasing cycle of life, death, and reincarnation. Your karma, or the results of your actions, good or bad, determines how you will be reincarnated in your next life. There isn't a way to know if you'll be reincarnated into a better life, or whether that you've done, whether that what you've done is deserving of hell. There is a general belief in hell, where you are punished. Though there are believed to be many different hells, and so again pretty diverse there's a lot going on here so again asking that person what their experience is the questions it would be helpful um what to keep in mind when sharing the gospel with a hindu so practically speaking what does this mean for us and maybe some of you guys have more experience in working with hindus or engaging people from that background than i personally do um, but what this guy says Sainad says he says pray first Before sharing the gospel, I separate myself and pray, please, Lord, help me to connect. God can show you the moment for which he has been preparing a Hindu to hear the gospel. I've heard the voice of the Lord saying inwardly, now's the time to tell them of my love. So pray. As we're engaging and thinking about the friends in our life, family members, let's pray and trust God uh, is at work and he's going to work. So pray first. Uh, Second, he says, talk about practical applications of the gospel. He says, I've found practical applications of scripture, the gospel, and truth are needed when sharing the gospel with Hindus. Those who are interested in the gospel will have many questions, which is understandable because Hindu beliefs are built so strongly into culture. It's a major worldview shift, and they need to see how the gospel works itself out practically in the life of a Christian. Uh, Christians must demonstrate how the gospel practically affects our lives, life, your choices, your demeanor. You are the gospel's evidence of how Christ can change lives. Mm. Say that again. You are the gospel evidence of how Christ can change lives. Third, emphasize love and direct relationship. Talking about love and direct personal relationship with God is revolutionary. Um, for Hindus because they don't have a connection to God's and that a God would love us is pure gold like the God would love us so much that he came to earth um, <clears throat> when inviting a Hindu to church then it's important that the ambiance of the church is welcoming which by God's grace I feel like we have that covenant hope so let's continue to press into that as a church um, if the gospel is forcibly or angrily presented it will often push them away because of the anger so present in Hinduism. So preach the truth in love with them. Love them well. And then be, lastly, be honest. So he said, Sayanad says this, when I'm honest about the change in my life, people understand that my household belongs to Jesus. I don't hide the reason for why we've made changes, why we don't make sacrifices, or why we don't go to the temples. I don't fear my community's disdain. Spirituality is not a topic Hindus usually avoid, so don't be shy about it. Be gentle but straightforward when you share the gospel. Your confidence in Christ, your life, your behavior, your graceful nature, your willingness to forgive, and your calm and composed mind is what will demonstrate to Hindus that you belong to Christ and are not of this world. 
So many Hindus truly want to know how to have a relationship with God. Perhaps God has appointed you to be the one to tell them. And so that's, that's Sinai, his background and how he came to faith. Um, it's a really, really amazing story when I was reading it. But let's think this week about the many Hindus living in Dubai and maybe how can we engage them this week, learn about them, and present Christ to them in truth and love. Um, so again, that resource, again, is in the back of your workbook. Take a look at that this week. And that's it for today. We've gone way over. Apologies. Um, just a reminder, as I remind you every week, um, as a follower of Jesus, you already know the gospel. You know enough today to go out and share the greatest news in the world with someone. So don't be afraid to do it. Continue this week to get connected with five people, just getting connected, and then try with those five people or maybe more, to transition into spiritual. Ramadan is coming up, so it's an easy way to get into spiritual. So just just try it. Put yourself out there this week and see what happens. Um, But do so prayerfully, and I think you'll be surprised of what God uh, can do and how he will use, could use you in that. So don't let fear hold you back. Um, Shana, will you pray for us as we close? Yeah. Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you so much that every time we read your word, we find ways in which you speak of your salvation of us in intricate ways, in various ways. And we praise you for that because not only does it uh, uh, give us life and faith in you, but it teaches us how we can share the gospel in various ways. So Father, I pray that we might learn how to befriend people uh, with, a real, uh, with a longing and a desire to share the good news with them. We pray that we might uh, move outside of our comfort zone, even outside what is people's comfort zones, to befriend them, like in places like the metro station, or over work lunch, or um, while waiting between in the food court. Um, Lord, I pray that, like uh, our brother Taylor reminded us, that we will find our, go- our confidence not in our ability, but in the power of God to save in, in the gospel message. Please help us, our Father, uh, learn how to share the gospel and, uh, and be able to sh- share the banana of Christian Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I was going to make one suggestion. Yeah. Like, we can use our gospel friends group just this, like, on, at Sunday at church and sit together with our friend with someone we find new at church yeah. and try to strike up a conversation. Yeah. You know. Be creative. Find ways to connect. Yeah. Pour into that relationship. Learn from one another. Um, I think you'll be really blessed by that. Yeah. Also, this week, if I send out a message and I ask you guys to send a little voice recording, don't be afraid to do it. Even don't be afraid to talk about maybe ways that things didn't go so great. Right? So I hope to hear from many of you this week.